right, turn with me over to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew. By the way, that was the worst Grace Loves report we've ever had. <laughs> our report, it's, it, it's on our, our, op, uh, our OOS, Order of Service, Grace Loves report. That was not a Grace Loves report. The title of this message is The Altered Dreams of Joseph. The Altered Dreams of Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was betrothed to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband... Being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23. The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 25. But kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Lord, help us as we study your word today. By the way, my name is Brett. <laughs> I'm pastor of this people, and it's good to see all of you, especially our guests and those of you who are online. Merry Christmas to you. I hope this holiday is filled with a whole lot of love. You may not have a whole lot of company, but I hope you have a whole lot of love. Four things in this passage about which I'd like to speak to you. One, he... Joseph had a real sound betrothal, solid. And then he had a real sense of, of betrayal, that somehow things didn't work out like he thought. Then there was this solid breakup. I know what I'll do, I'll send her away. And then he was seamlessly bound to this woman and to this child. The altered dreams of Joseph. I intentionally spelled the word altered differently. We normally think of altered as something that needs to change in the process of going from one thing to another. But Joseph's dreams needed to be put on an altar. A-L-A-A-L-T-A-R-E-D, not A-L-T-E-R-E-D. He had to put his dreams on the altar of God in order for bigger dreams to be realized. And all of us have dreams for our lives, don't we? We have ideas about how things ought to go. And Joseph was a man who was righteous, it says. We know he was a carpenter. A carpenter means much more than just a guy who knows how to put a two-by-four in the right spot and make it perpendicular. It also means a, a, a stonemason. Uh, the, the word in, in the Greek is tech technon, which is somebody who can actually technically put together a house if need be. And most of the houses back then, in fact all of them, were stone. They were not made of wood. The things that were wood were windows and doors. 
And then you had tables and chairs on the inside and utensils with which to eat and plates and all kinds of silverware, if you will, and cutlery. But Joseph was a man who understood how to construct things. I don't know. In fact, I know that God could not have chosen a better man to raise his son. And that Christ was called to construct things. What one thing did he say he was supposed to build? And that on the basis of everyone knowing who he was. Peter, who am I? Who do the people say that I am? Oh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Ah, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On the basis of the revelation that Peter got, Jesus said, I will begin to construct. This was his plan, not just to preach, not just to heal, but to build something. And in the process of this building, it would go way beyond just his, his life on earth. We are still in the work that he started, that he began in construction. We are trying to follow his architectural plan. And his father, though reluctant in the beginning, in realizing his life was going to be completely changed as a result of adopting the son, was the one who would teach Jesus what it meant to be a builder, how to put one stone upon another, living stones, if you will, what it meant to plane a piece of wood, sand it, make it smooth. And as a righteous man, he was one of the one of the good guys that every father wanted his daughter to marry. And so he was probably at the lead for a lot of, a lot of opportunity. It cost a lot of money to marry a good woman back then. A lot. You had to pay a bride price. If you look at what Joseph, excuse me, Jacob had to pay for Rachel, you get an idea of what it cost to marry a woman of standing of nobility, of uprightness. Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau because Esau was consoling himself with thoughts of killing him. That's how bad the relationship was. Esau was wrong to think the thoughts he thought. But Jacob was the one who inspired Esau to think the thoughts he thought. Jacob was messed up. And Jacob's mama, and Esau's mama, but Jacob's mama said, you better go because your brother... He's getting happy with figuring out how to fillet you. So leave, please. Go to my brother, Laban, and stay there until I tell you you can come back. He wound up with Laban some 90 or 100 miles to the north. And while there, he realized, I'm probably going to have to be here longer than I thought. So I better, I better get my life together. Well, he went with the clothes on his back for the most part. He had nothing. And he shows up, and, and Laban says, welcome, glad you're here. And he sees Laban's daughters. Now these were Jacob's first cousins. Back then you could marry your first cousins. And he saw Rachel, and Rachel was like top 10 gorgeous. Maybe top, maybe 11 point. I, I, I don't know. She was number one. She was out of sight. Wonderful. Charactered. Beautiful. So much so that Jacob says this. I don't have any money right now, but I want her. And I will give you seven years of labor for her. 
So take what you earn annually, multiply it by seven. That's a pretty hefty engagement ring, isn't it? You get my point. When you marry a woman who is of nobility and has great character, betrothal processes back then went way beyond going to Walmart and buying a little band. It costs you greatly. And we don't know how much Joseph had to pay the, the, the fathers intended, but we know it was significant. And may I remind any one of you Bible scholars out there, non-refundable. It could, could have been in our dollars in excess of $300,000 for the privilege of marrying this girl. And this is one of the reasons why you'll see a great disparity in age between the fathers, excuse me, the, the husbands and the wives. Because how long does it take you to earn that much money? You could be 30, 35, 40 years old before you get married. But you want to marry someone who can give you a lot of kids, so you marry them very young. So it was not uncommon back then for a 32-year-old man to marry a 16-year-old girl. That was fairly normal. We would say, hey, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Get somebody your own age. Not then. Which would also explain why when Jesus grows up, the average age, lifespan of a man was between 52 and 60. It also explains where Joseph may have gone while Mary was still alive. If Joseph married Mary somewhere around the age of 30 to 35, by the time Jesus became 30, Joseph would have been in his 60s. And a manual laborer hmm, probably didn't live that long. So Joseph probably passed away. Some scholars think maybe he just got, got fed up one day and said, I can't take this anymore. I don't think so. It got easier as Jesus got older, not harder. It was hard in the beginning. That's when it would have been good for him to bolt. Good. That's when it would have been more convenient for him to bolt. It got easier, especially when the Magi came with what we believe was between two and five million dollars worth of stuff. Joseph didn't have to work again. He had all the resources he needed just to, to kick back and go on the Mediterranean beach and have a life. And so, Ray, and, and my bride and I have had seven kids. Some of them were easier to raise than others. And they know who they are. <laughs> Jesus was the easiest. <laughs> he didn't disobey. Jesus, could you take out the trash? Yes, sir. By the way, Dad, is it like Wednesdays and Saturdays? I'll put it on my calendar. That was Jesus. You never had to spank Jesus. He, he was a dream. He served his mama. It was easy to raise Jesus. So Joseph, I don't think, would have bolted. He would have considered himself privileged, considering the fact that now all these prophetic words were being realized, and he was knowing exactly who Jesus was. And out of all the people who were descendants of David, he was the one that was privileged to raise this one, the son of Almighty God, the one who would sit upon David's throne and never get off. God chose me out of all the descendants of David, of which there were tens of thousands. You chose me. He's going to have my last name. He's going to live in my... Thank you. But it wasn't so in the beginning. He was a righteous man. 
And he'd, 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 he'd gone into contract, and, and this thing was binding. Betrothals are different than our version of engagement. Engagement, ge- generally, uh, well, sometimes the woman just gives back the ring and walks. Always walks if she's not interested, but sometimes gives back the ring. Yeah, $300,000. This is why you actually had to get a divorce when you were betrothed, not just married. You had to go through a legal proceeding in order to figure out what's, what should be done with the money if the betrothal did not work out. But Joseph was so righteous, he didn't even want to do that. He was willing to take the loss and say, I'll just send her away. Wow. What a man of character. He wasn't even trying to disgrace her. He wasn't trying to bring her before the courts. Remember, he was thinking, this woman got pregnant by another man. And she's betrothed to me. I paid for the right to be able to have her to myself. And she went out with somebody else. Are you kidding me? Most men would have gone ballistic. He said, shh, don't tell anybody. I'll just send her away. And I'll start over. Righteous man. Had a solid, a solid, real strong betrothal. And then this sense of betrayal, Lord, I had a dream about how things ought to go. My life was mapped out in a certain way, and I got to this point, and sure enough, she was the one. She was the best in all of her youth group, and I got her. She is renowned in the community as being the most godly. She's the one that that even, she, she doesn't just go on missions trips. She coordinates them. She's amazing. She knows all the Bible by heart. This one here, I am. she's the best in all of Galilee. Thank you, Lord. And all of a sudden, she's pregnant. No, Lord. No, this was not the plan. I, I had different ideas about how things were going to go. I don't even know what to do. She is so righteous. She has come to me with great reputation. I don't want to destroy her life, but mine is being destroyed. I lost my money. I got to start all over. I don't know if I can raise that much in the next 10 years. What am I going to do? It wasn't, it wasn't upstanding for a man to take a woman who was pregnant with another man's baby. It was disgraceful. Disgraceful. And Joseph didn't want to experience the disgrace of the community, but he didn't want to hurt her either. So he was stuck. How do I, what do I? I can't tell you how many times I've had dreams about how things ought to go. And God wonderfully dismantled them and put them in the grave. I was supposed to be a a dentist. My dad was a dentist. I would have taken over his practice, provided for his retirement. In 1985, when I would have graduated from a Harry Medical School in Nashville, Tennessee, where I was accepted, I would have had a salary of about $110,000 a year in Kansas City, which is like $240,000 here. I would have, and, and for the status that my dad had in Kansas City, I would have leveraged that for all kinds of influence. I had it mapped out in my brain. It was a good life. I didn't like people's bad breath, but still, it was a good life. And in 1981, March, God apprehended me. He arrested me at Indiana University and said, come serve me. I repented, gave my heart to him. And within two weeks, 
My pastor had me out there preaching the gospel, telling people what God had done for me on campus in open air in front of students who were just walking by, going from one place to another. I was terrible at it. But after I got down, having done such a, such a horrible job, there was a little wall upon which I was standing and presenting the gospel. And it wasn't even the gospel, it was just my story. And, and believe me, it wasn't the gospel. I was terrible. And, and I was telling my story. And I was, on, I was a little bit elevated on this wall. And after about two minutes of talking in ways that were not, not consistent with everything scripture said, I felt this tug on my pants. And my pastor was pulling my pants and said, you're done. And I got down and I felt good about what I shared. I was just happy. I said, how was it? He said, we have to work on some things. And I sat there and thought, okay, at least I'm not disqualified. We can work on stuff. And I went out there every day, every day. Help me with this, help me with that. And then after a minute, it became every other day because I just didn't, I was, I was failing my classes. <laughs> I went from a 3.5 to a 2.7. That's failing for me. I was doing terrible because all I wanted to do was preach the gospel. And my parents weren't happy because they were paying, so I had to augment some things and get, back, get my GPA back up. But all I, all I wanted to do is preach the gospel. That's all I wanted to do. Time came for me to make a decision. My pastor thought I needed to go into ministry. And I thought I needed to be a dentist. And the Holy Spirit said, I've called you. I said, but Lord, my... And I couldn't even get it out in prayer. He said, I've called you. I said, yes, sir. I had to put my dreams on the altar. And come to Washington, D.C. with $450 a month in salary that I had to raise myself. This was support that I developed by asking people to support me as I was going to Washington, D.C. to help start this church in 1982 and reach out to Howard University. That was my primary responsibility, $450 a month. I got some more support by the time I got here in, sep in September. I got here in August. By September, I'd raised it to $600. I got a 30% raise. That's all I had. But the money was not coming in, and so I didn't have much when I got here. It wouldn't come in until sometime around mid-September. And so for the first week, I only came with about $150. Spent most of that just on the down payment for rent. And then <clears throat> during the first week, uh, people were eating. That was a novelty for me for the first week, eating. I decided I needed to fast a lot because I didn't have any money for food. And they said, would you like to go out to dinner? No, thanks, appreciate it. But... We were staying in my pastor's home before the other home uh, got, got together. This was August 12th I got here. We were staying in my pastor's home. And a um, bunch of us, I don't know, seven, eight people in three-bedroom house just trying to figure it out. And our pastor was just, Mark Hawk was just so kind. His, his wife was seven, eight months pregnant. It was, <laughs> we didn't plan this well at all. And uh, they went out to dinner. And I went in the backyard of Mark Koch's home where he had a muscadine vine. Now, anybody know what muscadines are? Nasty grapes. Nasty grapes. Sour. And they have very thick skins. And you don't eat the skin. You actually push at the very end of the, of the grape, the muscadine. And at the hole where it attached to the vine, 
the fruit comes out and you leave the skin. So you actually squeeze the fruit out because it slides out from the skin and you eat that. And that work is really not worth it because the fruit is so nasty. That was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a week. Didn't complain a bit. Happy. Though God had destroyed my dreams, he was creating others. And the dreams he was creating had you in them, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. But I knew this, that whatever I had in terms of a dream was either all wrong or too small. And God was about to expand it beyond my wildest imagination. The first two years of Joseph's life were a wreck. A wreck. He was on the run from Herod. He had to relocate to Egypt. People in his own family in Bethlehem wouldn't even take him in when his wife was pregnant because they looked at her as being unworthy of lodging because she had another man's baby and they looked at him as unworthy of lodging for marrying a woman who had another man's baby. His whole family ostracized him in Bethlehem and he had to have his baby born in a barn? How unclean is that, especially when you are a Jew? It's horrible. They have standards on how these things ought to be done. And it never, it wasn't done right here. And the only people that commended them were the shepherds. They're the only ones that came in strangers. Saying we were hurt, we heard from the angels that something happened here. Where our Savior has been born. None of his family came to see at the hospital. None. His life was a wreck for the first two years. Don't hear one word of complaint out of him. Not one. Are your dreams altered? If you put them on the altar of Almighty God, if you have, you're probably going to experience a lot of pain in the beginning. A sense of loss that makes you think, I made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have done this. I should have gone with the original plan. I should have figured out something else because this isn't working out. But this is where you walk by faith. This is where you trust God to say, Lord, what you started, I know you'll finish. It might take 40 years. <laughs> but if I stay on this road, I'm going to intersect with all the places of provision that I can't see now. If I just keep going, there's another place up there that's got what I need. If I quit, I will never find it. And all I've done is just not quit. I'm not that good at anything. I'm not the best at anything. I just don't quit. And I figure out how in the world I can repair the mistake I made yesterday. That's all I am. And for some reason, many of you think it's worthy enough to follow and to keep coming back. And for that, I'm grateful. But I am the worst version of best. God should have chosen somebody else much more qualified than me to do what I'm doing. But he chose me only because I said yes and I have not quit. In fact, I'm convinced that there were many other people who were more qualified for the vision that God has given us to win this city. They just didn't say yes. So he had to find somebody unqualified. Less capable. Much more incompetent. And he said, I can fix all that as long as I got willingness. And he's still fixing me. I altered my dreams. And God gave me 
even when I got right with him, I was on the bandwagon of <clears throat> the prayer, part of the prayer, mood at, at, prayer movement at that time was, you need to write down everything you're believing for. And then ask God for it. And then you'll have a testimony of when he does it. And you'll be able to say, this is what I, I wrote down in terms of priority. And when I needed it, I told God. And now, he, look, he fulfilled it. And so I did that. And I wrote down exactly what I needed in a wife. Boom, 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 boom. I was 22 years old. And I thought, okay, even though I'm only making $650 a month, I want a wife. I didn't know what I was going to do with her. But I want, a, I want a wife, I want a wife, I want a wife. So I began to, and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I had a list, man. I mean, it was just right to the point. She had to be this. this, this. And then in 1985, I met this woman, Cynthia Wakefield. And I thought, oh, Jesus, you do love me. Because this one here, she's single. She's right. She's she, she is outstanding. But Lord, you know how tall she is, right? <laughs> She's almost two inches taller than me. I'm five eight and three quarters, but I tell you five nine, and I don't mind lying. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't repent at all. She's five ten, five ten and a half on a good day, and I'm, I'm just. Yeah. And when she wears heels, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. I feel like a little child holding her hand as we're walking down the street. But I looked at the list. And I saw this. I said, God, you didn't meet any of my expectations. You exceeded every one of them. We celebrate our 34th anniversary today. My brain was too stupid to ask for that. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I needed. But I got so much better than I deserved in her. You got to alter your dreams so God can give you better because you don't even know how to pray. You don't know how to ask. You don't know what you need for later. I didn't know we'd have so many human beings. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't. And she desired to homeschool every one of them. I just thought, who are you? That movie Wonder Woman, miscast. <laughs> miscast, they should have gotten her. 23 years of homeschooling. So long was it and so excellent was it, we threw her a retirement party when she quit. <laughs> she runs our women's ministry here. She, she serves the Washington football team and all the wives there. And she does most of this, even though she gets still a stipend from the church, much more work than that for which she is paid. And she never complains. And then on top of that, she's got to deal with me. I didn't know how to pray for I didn't know how to pray for that. God loved me by giving me her. You need to alter your dreams. He decided I'll send her away 
And God said, no, 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 don't do that. An angel came. I said, don't do that. Because what's born, what's being conceived in her is born of me. I did this. The Holy Spirit did this, the angel of the Lord said. Therefore, take Mary as your wife. Raise this boy and call him Jesus. Listen. Anytime God gives naming rights to a human being, it represents the authority that human being has in that thing's life. You call him Jesus. Now he had the directive from God, no question. But he got to put the name on there, which meant I'm putting my son, the governor of the universe, under your authority. I mean, Joseph just, I mean, it was one of these, okay, I'm going I'm to endure the ridicule. Everybody's not going to understand. I mean, even if we tell them the truth, <laughs> what? What, is, what, what does that mean? What, who, who's going to believe it? No, it wasn't another man. It was almighty God. Oh, you're going to blame that on God? You're going to blame that on God? Uh-huh. Okay, well, yeah, that's, that's a first. Nobody's ever done that before. I'm telling you, this is done of God. Nobody would believe him. So they just kept their mouths shut and took the criticism from every quarter, every quarter, and let God be their vindicator. Joseph, come on. Do this thing because what is in her womb is of me. And it went, I'm convinced, because we see no complaint from Joseph. And it says he was a righteous man. And what he was doing with respect to trying to send her away and not embarrass her was over the top in character. I'm convinced because of the character we see in what he did not do and what he did do commends him for me to say this. When he understood that this thing was born of God, unusually so, first time ever so, he not only said, Mary, come here. He felt his chest begin to, to enlarge. have been given the privilege of raising God Almighty. Lord, help me to do a good job. Which had to bring a whole lot of question to his mind for the first two years. Can you imagine? Here's a man who's responsible for God Almighty's birth. It's not that the son was born when he was in Mary's womb and came out. His son had already been. A child was born. The son is eternal. You can't, if you're God, you can't be born because you have no beginning. God has the distinction of being eternal. No man and nothing in creation else, nothing else does. We are all people, we are all beings that have a beginning. Now, we were intended to be immortal. But that's all we can be at best. Immortality is, is something that has a beginning, but then no end. Eternity says that there is no end and no beginning. You can't find it. He just always was, is, and will be. That's the son. But he had a beginning as a mortal by wrapping himself in a human body. This is why Isaiah says, in distinction, not in, in synonymic terms, 
Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. God gave his son because he so loved the world. But he birthed this, a, boy, a, a, a child. This child, I mean, if, if, I'm in, if I'm steward, if I'm in charge, I'm thinking, okay, we got to make sure everything's just right. I mean, God's going to hold me accountable for everything that happens with this one here. So I've got to, I've got to ensure that the, the, the baby's born in a proper place. And he winds up in a stable. And I imagine he's thinking, God, I'm sorry. Your son deserves so much more. So I wasn't born in a stable. Why is your son? Ah! I imagine condemnation was filling his soul. Until the shepherds came in, who had been told in the field as they were watching their flocks by night, told in the field by the angels, go see. And they came in, and you would have thought the first thing, if God were not happy, that he would send was a rebuke from a messenger, a prophet, saying, you have royally blown it. And I am now giving my son to another family. We're going to put him in social services and have him be readopted. Any man that does that to my boy is not worthy of being able to raise him. That's what you're looking for if anybody is coming in with a word from God. If you're Joseph. But these shepherds come in and they say, knock, knock, knock. Is there a baby in here? Joseph and Mary say, yeah. Well, we were told out there in the field that a child has been born for us, our Savior, our, the Messiah has been born, and we've come to worship. That's all you got to say? Wow. Affirmation from the Holy Spirit over and over and over. And though I, my story is nothing in comparison to that through which Joseph went, I can't tell you how many mistakes I made and still am making as a minister. And yet God still says, yeah, there were nativity moments. There were other times when you should have done this and you did that. But I want you to know, my son was born for your progress, not your condemnation. And as a result, I'm going to still keep moving in your life until we fulfill the purpose for which you've been placed on the planet. I'm not done with you yet. When you alter your dreams and accept God's, it is outstanding what he does with respect to rerouting even your mistakes and the things that you think are most flawed in your life for his purposes because there are very few, very few people who take the stuff that is theirs and place it on the altar of Almighty God and say, do with it as you see fit. My job is not my job. My family is not my family. My relationships are not my relationships. I give them to you, almighty God. Do whatever you want. Take it away. Readjust. However you decide. I want you to know, I'm your boy and I'm all in. That's all he's looking for. And when he's got that, he can make you into that which you never thought you could be because you couldn't dream that big. You couldn't dream that accurately. Please, I beg you, alter your dreams so that he can alter your life. A-L-T-A-R, your dreams, so he can A-L-T-E-R, your life. And you will wind up in a spot 
some 38, 39 years later where you're scratching your head and amidst all the things that you have done to be an impediment to your own progress, you are at least able to say, Lord, this is good what you did. I'm very grateful. I have a wife who still loves me. I've got seven kids who really like me. Three of them are in ministry. I have friends that think I'm okay, that have been with me for over 30 years. The youngest of my most significant friendships are 15 years. Lord, you have been really good to me all because I took the dream that I had and put it on the altar and said yes to you. We're still talking about today the magnificent man Joseph was and the things he did to prepare Christ for all that he needed to be, meaning Christ for us, as a result of his one decision to take Mary as his wife. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking for your grace to empower us to be the kind of people that can accept your will instead of our own. Help us to embrace your dreams instead of our own.